Full Service Radio is proudly supported and hosted by Simplecast, the easiest way for a podcast creator to publish and distribute audio on the internet. For more information, visit Simplecast.com. Full Service Radio. Oh my god, I almost lost the microphone. (laughs) Oh my god, we are back. We are back. We are we we are back. 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 We back. We back. We back. We back. We back. Ow. We back. 2020 tech. Hey. Oh, I like that. I like that. Welcome back, everyone. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Oh my gosh. We are in the 20s. Yes, we are. We're in the 20s. Welcome back. This is the Beauty Archeo, your fashion history comedy podcast. Broadcasting live on full service radio here at the Line Hotel in Washington, D.C. I am your host, Professor Noir, with Mix Mundy. Mix Mundy. And we are like super duper back. This has been so long. I I feel like we haven't been here in a year. A million years. But we weren't, we haven't been here since last year. (gasps) I know, that's crazy how math works. (laughs) Wild. How days and calendars work. Wild. Um, It's the roaring 20s. It is the roar. I mean, I have to say, it is not necessarily the Roaring Twenties, but to me, it's more of the Hot Bitch Twenties, where we got a lot of people getting on my nerves right now, mostly in our government, because we live in D.C., and we have to see and smell these people way too often. Um, Seriously. I know. Like, you know, happy impeachment. too close. Too close. As I like to tell everyone, happy impeachment. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, that is happening. That is a thing. I mean, you know, it's like half happening. It's like half happening. Okay, so this... I'm trying not to get my hopes up too much. Well, I will say this. I'm getting to a greater point that's, like, kind of, like, coming up out of me. So earlier, before the show started, I came into the studio. I was talking to Alexia, because she's fucking fabulous, and make sure that this thing sounds amazing and not crazy, so you don't hear me chewing on on the air. (laughs) We love you. Ooh, that's a that's a really hot kiss, Mundy. That you was really what? good. That was that wasn't that was not a sound bite of a kiss. Just so you guys know, that was actually <laughs> no, Mundy's beautiful that was my magenta lips. Beautiful magenta lips. <laughs> Um, kissing the microphone. Yeah, but yeah maybe we'll get some kisses in real life in 2020. Right? We were. Ha- I would like that for you. Thank Please you. bring Monday like live kisses, also. everyone. I love kisses. Um, but I w- we were talking <laughs> about just like jobs and you know like how in my opinion like a lot of work is becoming very limiting in terms of like work that allows people to make enough money to actually just live and be healthy and to actually survive not even thrive but to survive um while we have a a whole faction of people screaming and boasting that they've created jobs it's also about the quality Mm -hmm. um but that makes you think of the larger issue of education and you know the reason why you know, I started this podcast and then right after you heard me start this, you're just like, I need to be doing this with you. We feel the same way that education on an everyday level is very important. Definitely. You know, always informing yourself, always, you know, learning and trying to seek out new information. Yes. So having something to get up in the morning. And one of the things that really bothers me is that I saw a small, like little, like article just talking about how. Um, diff- certain degrees in universities around the country are diminishing in terms of people actually like applying for them, and you know these degrees are actually disappearing and being phased out. Mm-mm. And one of them is history, right? Which is crazy. Um, which is absolutely crazy, and it makes me really sad because 
you know, we do this podcast and we talk a lot about history and we definitely talk about our opinions, our feelings and our assessments. But it's also just about learning from the past and learning about past mistakes that our ancestors Absolutely. made. Absolutely. Like I always say, we can't know where we're going if we don't know where we've come from. Exactly. Exactly. And, that's, and you never stop learning. And you never stop learning. I mean, unless you want to, you never stop learning. And so, you know, I want to encourage everyone as you're listening to this podcast and listen to the past episodes and continue to listen to us and you have friends who are not you have friends who are not necessarily educating themselves please encourage them too to seek out their passion and learn about it because one of the things for me is like learning about history is a huge passion of mine researching especially for you money it's a yeah. huge passion but it also keeps us informed about the present and yes. how to deal with the present and how to make you know make informed decisions about our present and our future. Absolutely. And for me, it's really interesting to see the patterns that repeat themselves and, you know, how we can react differently currently. Exactly. Like, everybody wants a tech job nowadays. Everybody wants a tech job. Everybody wants to make the tech money. It's like the 80s when it comes to Wall Street. Everybody wants to get a finance degree to get on Wall Street. Well, let's just let you know one thing. Jobs can be, jobs are not infinite, okay? And we have to have a balance in this world. And we have to be able to use our beautiful, diverse brains for all these different facets of life. Yes. And telling the stories of the past is incredibly important. You not only learn about the people, but you learn about everything. I was just saying to, I was saying to Alexia, I was just like, if people taught history the way it should, you know, the way it should be taught, you'd be learning about human migration, which goes into, you know, earth sciences, biology, politics, anthropological, anthropological, but not even Mm -hmm. anthropological. I'll give you all the, all the big money making topics. Politics goes into economics. Right. It goes into technology and the production of technology and how that affects human migration. That's that's you learning history. Right. So, you know, starting off in 2020, everyone, please stay informed and read everything around you and question things around you and be able to make your own assessments and be comfortable making your own informed assessments at the end of the day. Yes. I that mean, is- did you see that survey that said, you know, America up-and-coming kids, like, their main career goal is to be a YouTube-slash-vlogger. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. And how could you possibly want to start your own YouTube channel and talk about your opinion on things if you don't know where we've come from? If you don't even, and if you don't even actually have an opinion. You've just right. been re- like, it's You so, can't have an, an, op- an opinion that's just uninformed. It's that's so funny, just, like, we obviously are both very fashionable people. I know you've gotten this. People are like, oh, you should do, like, a fashion makeover, like, YouTube show or, like, a tutorial. I was like, no, I don't. We don't need anyone else teaching people how to dress. You should be learning how to dress right. for yourself. It's such a personal choice. It is a personal <laughs> choice. I don't need to learn how to do the perfect cat eye from 20,000 different people. Right. I only have two eyes. They can only go but so many ways. Okay? Yes. You and know, everyone's eyes are different. Everyone's eyes are different. All right? <laughs> so if your life goal is to be a YouTube vlogger, you better have a goddamn message to say that's going to help evolve and change the right, world that's gonna help people not just like talking shit yeah like for instance this podcast i could have we could have done just a regular fashion podcast right and just about be clothes and be shady bitches and talk about designers and what we bought in like our own reviews one we don't shop like that no number one but two and we don't think about fashion like that but two what is that going to teach people what is right. that going to teach us right it's about learning mm-hmm. you know and really equipping yourself 
with something that no one else can give you, which is knowledge. Yes, and the empowerment that comes with that. And the po- not just the empowerment, but the power yes. that comes with it. Yes. The power that comes with it. Preach. Right? Now, that's the closet <laughs> clean happening right okay. now, people. For okay. everyone that hasn't, you know, we haven't been back in a while. So we always have this moment before we really get into the learning aspect, into the, the class, just to clean out the closet of our feelings and our emotions. It's a new year. We it's, got a lot to clean out. It's a, it's a new year. Got a lot to clean out. Got a Marie Kondo that closet. Oh my God, yes. Got a condo your closet. Condo your oh, closet. Oh, Ooh. Why does I hate, it sound like I don't wrong. know. I hate condos. <laughs> <laughs> That's not what I thought you were going to say. But it made me remind me of just how much I actually hate condos. Oh, not coming. And by the way, did you hear she now, I think I mentioned this before, she now is going to be opening up a store. Oh my to sell stuff. I was it's like, going to be empty. I was just like, so Marie Kondo told you to clean out all your shit so you could go buy her shit. Right. Fuck you her. You don't need more shit ex- unless it's my shit. Unless it's my <laughs> shit. And you know what? I'm not mad at her for I mean, fuck her, but I'm not mad at her for it either. Really, the, like, there will be three things in the store. That would be hilarious. It, yeah. That it's would like be hilarious. a hilar- big, white, empty Please room. Screw. Three, three very items. select, yes. very edited pieces. <laughs> the three pieces you always need. Yeah. The only things... <laughs> Like a piece of linen fabric. Right. A, a, you know, like a toothpick <laughs> made from a rare, rare petrified wood and a, and a blender. And a blender? I don't know. Maybe a juicer. Oh, wow. Like a Vitamix. I was just going to say a Vitamix. Yeah, a Vitamix. They're, yeah. they're multi-purpose. <laughs> multi-purpose appliances. This is our lives right now. How was your New Year, Monday? Uh, it was amazing. That yeah. was it? It was just amazing? New Year's was great. Uh, got to, you know, have some really fun pregame with my friend Tony Hitchcock. It's his birthday. So, you know, having a bestie's birthday on New Year's Eve is always like double pressure for fun. That's true. Um, and of course, went to my home away from home, Compass Rose. And Ooh. It was beautiful. I, you know, I finished all the holiday decorations there. So it was like, well, sparkly and everything was just lovely. And, and it was com- like a good vibe. And if no one's been to Compass Rose, it is... It so you go. We walk up to it. It looks like a row house. Right outside, there's this little gorgeous, like tented little pavilion. Mm-hmm. Very comforting, very cozy, very bohemian. Yes, and my holiday art installation is still up in the oh, in, in the tent. In yes, the so tent. please, yes. And then you walk inside up the steps to the first floor, and you walk into this restaurant that almost just reminds me. It kind of reminds me of a Victorian tea house. Ooh, yeah. You know, like we're like you know a bunch of artists and writers mm-hmm. and you know wild bourgeois would go to or something. I love what a mixed group of people yeah. is there. Like you never know what kind of person's going to be there. It's always very mixed. Very mixed, beautiful bar, very comfortable bar mm-hmm. and really great staff that work there. I hate saying it like that, but everyone is like really nice. The vibe is always really nice. Truly. That's um, one of the most important things. The woman that um, owns it and runs it. Rose. Was Rose. Yes. What's her full, is it okay we mentioned her full name? I hope so. Yes. What's her yes. full name? Rose Pravit. Rose Pravit. Yes. She is really amazing. Now She's one of my favorite people and i would say you know i mean like i definitely want to go into this as this year goes on about you know the the spectacular industry of restaurants and how that plays into the fashion history of our lives yeah um, but she reminds me of that old school restaurant owner like kind of like what you would see on tv where they would just walk around saying hi to everyone double kisses yes. and like no- knows every face that walks in the place Absolutely. that's what she reminds and that's why i like going there because yes. like she is that person. That's why I call it my home away from home. Yeah. Everybody feels like family. They always make sure everyone's taken care of. Yeah. Like you super know. and like genuinely super nice. You know, not just Absolutely. putting on a business front, like genuinely just like 
really welcoming. I like that place. I love it. I like that place a lot. I love and it. I don't go enough. And I, I will say I don't go enough, especially to that bar, because I love a good bar. Well, maybe I know. we should do a regular thing there. We should. Maybe a little mm-hmm. happy hour. A little... A little fashion happy hour. Beauty Archeo happy hour. Happy hour. hour. Mm, Perhaps (laughs) you heard it here first. Perhaps. I don't know why we're talking like that right now. I don't know why. (laughs) (laughs) It's been so long. It's been too long. 2020. It's extra, extra. By the way, again, Monday, I'm wearing all black. I just got these like over the knee boots from the Zara sale because I like to go to the Zara sale just once every week and just pick up one or two pieces. I do not understand how you can wear thigh high boots over pants. You have the skinniest legs in the world. You know what's really fine wearing tights under these pants? <laughs> My friend the other, when I was in New York and it was cold, she was like, you just put tights under your jeans? I was like, I'm cold. She's like, how do your jeans feel? I was like, because they do? Like, I don't know. Because you're tiny. I'm tiny, I guess. But I look, I'm cold all the time because I'm tiny. So I need my tights. Right. I need that. Well, if someone made insulated skinny jeans that look cute, Right. I would be into it, but the last time I bought some, they felt like a diaper. <laughs> it was very strange. Yeah, Let's got, take a little hop. I hop-. got too much cake for all that. But yes, thank you. Yeah, I you look amazing. Your magenta day. lip is matching the magenta in your Alaya blouse. Thank you. It's yes, really beautiful. It's an Alaya. And the what? It's an Alaya. It's like a really big deal <laughs> designer. <laughs> 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 oh my god let's take a break because we're just so delirious vintage of course i know we're gonna take a hot little break and then we're gonna come back and we're gonna con- finish our discussion before we went on the Chris- on the holiday break um we opened the we opened with the story about the falling women um the triangle sh- the uh, shirtwaist triangle shirtwaist factory fire in new york in the 1900s which is still the deadliest fire in new york history um and from there, um, I did, we didn't get to finish, but there's a lot that came out of it with um, labor reform and just attention to the idea of sweatshops. Right. And that even actually being a thing um, for the general public. Um, so we're going to take a little break and we're going to come back with some really dark shit. <laughs> the Beauty Archeo. <laughs> You were feeling it just now on that I little break. Don't play with me with Anderson. That's, That's that was hot. You Alexia, were you're like, doing it. Monday just turned into <laughs> a 45-year-old woman who was like reliving the high school days. Cause the way you just screamed at Alexia was just like Monday just opened the door <laughs> to my my room. On their own and just started screaming the lyrics at me. <laughs> just screaming the lyrics. But if I call you a bitch, it's because you're you my, my bitch. bitch. 
I was just like, whoa. Don't I just, get me started I on just, Anderson right I just now. saw you in like your like later years when you did that. I was just like, money still be the same. <laughs> I will still be <laughs> that this, bitch. This still be that bitch. <laughs> Yelling the lyrics to my favorite songs. Wow. Moment. Well, we are back. The Beauty Archeo, your fashion history comedy podcast. We are broadcasting live on full service radio here in the Line Hotel from Washington, D.C. From the Glass Enclosed Nerve Center. Yes, Lord. And uh, one day they're going to find us because we keep saying that they'd be like y'all need to stop saying that because it's a cease and desist letter we're taking it back it's all right it's all right anderson and i are going to be friends very soon it's good it's and then totally he won't good be mad. it's totally good um so the last time we were we were here in this room we talked about a very sad story but a very um a story that changed everything in this country um and it was the triangle shirtwaist factory fire on March 25th in 1911, the Triangle Shirtwaist Company factory in New York burned, killing 145 workers, most of them young women and children. Right. Um, it was an incredibly devastating fire. And just the entire time of how it happened, I mean, this fire happened within like an hour, two hours, the full thing from like the spark all the way to, you know... The, ve- the very end of people yeah, trying to put fast. the, you know, people trying to put out the fire. Mm-hmm. Um, so the thing is, is that back in the day, and again, if you're just joining us, um, to give you a little bit of like background, this is a period of mass industrial, you know, explosion in the country. Mm-hmm. This is our industrial revolution. Um, and New York is rife with a lot of factories, a lot of um, fashion production, textile production mm-hmm. happening in New York. And <laughs> and so this place is, I mean, like, we, even though New York has a lot of sweatshops at this time, and we're talking about, like, sweatshops, like the definition, where it's, like, hot and muggy and the working conditions are the poorest it can, you can ever imagine. Right, like, no breaks. No breaks. People working 12 hours days. Other. People working on top of each other. Little children actually are being the ones that actually have to fix machines. Right. When machines break down. And if people have ever seen these old school machines, when you do, like, a, a, weave, a, a mill that weaves fabric, there is a, a huge blade that goes across it very quickly. Oh, yeah, these kids would lose fingers and stuff fingers, all the time. Fingers, hands, arms, you know, you have to jump inside a machine. For the smallest child is, like, the most, um, is the one who's hired for these kinds of jobs. Right, so, so they can get in little places. Because they can get into small places in these machines. And so, you know, you're already talking about conditions that no one should be working in, no right. matter what. Right. Like, not even prisoners, you know? Like, we don't wish these things on our worst enemy. On top of that, the quality of life that happens after leaving the factory is completely unheard of. Quality of life is completely unheard of at this time. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to work, you're only seen as a person that needs to go to work, you go to church, and that is it. To the for the most part, I mean, obviously people lived life. You know, like you did have. I mean, like obviously there's you know stuff for people to do. You know, uh, uh, what's it called again? not follies, but you know, there's there's people have hobbies. Like everyone's normal, <laughs> you know. It's not you like know, everyone it's was. All relative. Yeah, it's not like people were like robots went to work and then like went home and went to church on Sunday. But like, but that's, I mean, but that's pretty much like what the life that you that yeah. that's what the life was set up to be. Um. So the Triangle Shirtwaist Factory, the Triangle Fact, the Triangle Shirtwaist Company, um is a pretty profitable company at this time. Shirtwaists are like the new thing to be produced for women on, on mass. Um, it's this, I think it's the second, 
by this time, it's the second most produced women's product right. in a factory because the first thing, actually the most produced product in factories starting in the 1800s were the hoops for hoop skirts. Yes. And a lot of people don't know that, but like were the hoops for, and that's like the most, like that's the most like manufactured product globally. Crazy. Were the hoops for hoop skirts. Um, and then the shirtwaist were the next thing pretty mm-hmm. much. Mm-hmm. Shirtwaist um, is like pretty much the early version of a blouse. It just kind of like almost looked like a cropped blouse. Right. Um, but w- the skirts were much higher too. So you pulled it up to, to the, to over the shirt for the most part. Or you could even wear it as the chemise, your chemise under your shirtwaist, your skirt over it. And then the shirtwaist over top of the chemise. So you had, you know, still a little silhouette happening. Um, but nonetheless, this was so revolutionary because it allowed women to wear separates for the first time, really, mm-hmm. and wear it on a mass level. Um, so shirtwaist in general, just a huge profitable business to be in. If you're working in a shirtwaist company, you know, like that is one of the rare jobs that women could actually get was to work in a factory for shirtwaist. Um, and so the Triangle Factory was pretty much like the epitome of, you know, like, I don't know, working for like, I don't fuck it, like Amazon or something. Like, it's, no, it's pretty fucking big. It's pretty yeah. major. No, major. And the factory actually wasn't that bad comparatively to what sweatshops were. They were known, like, if you worked at that company, you were known to work in a nice place. Because right. the factory had giant windows where actual light was coming in as opposed to being in dark, cavernous spaces. Yeah. Um, so, again, it's all relative. It's but. all relative. It's all relative. Um, the women did have, like, one break, but I think it was, like, a 15-minute break. And they would work for 15 hours straight. And they would work for 15 hours straight. Yes. And they were docked pay. And they were docked For pay. that break. They were docked. They took that break. And not even just that. Like, if a machine broke that they were using, they were docked the pay for the fixing of the machine. Right. You know, if a stitch was out of place, they were docked pay for, you know, having to redo an entire blouse. Like... All those things came out of their pay. Mm -hmm. So we're already talking about a complete abuse of labor, you know, at this level, a complete systematic abuse of labor at this level. And also it wasn't like, it wasn't a federally recognized thing. Like labor laws weren't really federally recognized like they they are now. Mm -hmm. So company owners can do anything they want to. They can make any rules they want to. They can make any policies they want to like this fucked up ass shit. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Exactly. So on March 25th, 1911, um, the Triangle Shirtwaist Factory caught fire by what is they believe was a spark from a cigarette, from a lit cigarette that fell into a trash can full of fabric. Yeah. That went up in flames immediately. And because they are working in a textile company, in a textile factory, the whole place goes up in flames in like 15 fucking minutes, pretty much. Like, the entire place Mm -hmm. goes up in flames in like 15 minutes. And there was nowhere for people to go. And there was nowhere for people to go because the foreman had left, like, ran for his own life. Right. And the two company owners, which worked on the floor below, they left. They left. And the thing is, is that this company, again, talking about um, owners own rules and like how they do their own policies this company used to lock the doors on either end so the women didn't leave and like be delinquent on their breaks yeah they or, were like, locked take from the, the outside they were locked so from the outside literally locked in locked in from the outside yes. so all the people that could unlock the doors left right as soon as the fire started and left these women upstairs mm-hmm. uh the women the girls had to not even women the girls because they were really really young they were teenagers yeah um 
try to climb down the fire escape, but the fire escape was too weak and that fell mm-hmm. and like crashed and like, you know, a mass amount of women died. Um, a couple of people escaped across the, over the roof to the other building for NYU at the time because there was a class going on. Um, and then there were at, two elevators, and there were two elevators which only held like you know ten, not even ten, ten people, like at maybe a time. like six at a time. Um, and they broke, both of them broke by I want to say the th- fourth or third. They got trip two up, trips in, two trips in, yeah, and then they broke, and then people just started falling down the elevator, shaft. and people start falling. Oh god, I know. Just thinking about it too, it's just falling down the elevator shaft, and then finally to I'm about to cry. Finally to cap it all off. Um, the fire and the heat was so massive that the people still trapped on the floors inside burned to death. Yeah. And all the spectators could see them burning to death. Women tried to leap from the roof and the firefighters tried to catch them, but they were leaping in groups and they broke the nets. They broke the nets and the bodies were falling at such a fast rate that they couldn't even get the hoses out. They couldn't even get the hoses out and women broke the hoses. Yeah. Um, and again, too, like, this is another thing. Like, this is when the system failed us because the system was not in place. Also, fire departments weren't as regulated as they are now. They didn't have the response times. They definitely didn't have the technology no. to really, like, handle a massive fire like this anyway. So you're already f- failing on a systematic level when it comes to the search and the rescue. Right. Um, by the end of it, the windows finally broke. And... Bodies were hurled from the building. Dead bodies, burning bodies. Right, they exploded. They exploded from the heat. And the only thing the firefighters could do and the people who helped could do the search and rescue were to literally clean up the bodies on the street and and put out the fire after all of that happened. Right. And still, still today, the most gruesome thing I've ever heard because it's just how... Because, I mean, just complete and utter fear. Complete and utter fear. There's actually a new show on Netflix mm-hmm. called The Bonfire or something like that. Or The Bonane, something like that. It's a French period show. And it's about an actual fire that happened at, the, at this bazaar, this, like, socialite bazaar. It was a charity bazaar in the early 1900s. And a bunch of socialites put it together. And this fire, and it was an all wood and paper mache. Of course. <laughs> all wood and paper mache, mm-hmm. you know, like pop-up building, pavilion that they set up. And <laughs> they, um, Monday's looking at hot women right now. Um, God. And it's all pavilion, like room that they, or building that they set up. And it caught fire and all these women died. And again, it's like one of those things where people, we were not set up back in the day. I mean, think about it. This, again, learning about history, think about how far we've come today. Where you can, like, not even call a number. You can just dial a button on your phone and they show up. Right. If you're white. They show up. (laughs) No, but they will show up. The firefighters for sure. (laughs) You know, like, think about where we are today. Um, So... After this fire, there was a lot of backlash because, you know, this is one of those tragedies that really launches the issues, the systematic issues of our society to the public eye. You know, like, because just before as well, I think we were talking about, yeah, we did talk about this. Just before, we were talking about the women's suffrage movement and the women's labor movement that was happening. And how, you know, wealthy women were walking with these with the working class women to get their rights, to stop Mm -hmm. being beaten. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And so when this fire happened, like 
a lot of people were also, there were a lot of police officers that weren't trying to help as well. Right. You know what I mean? Because they're like, oh, well, these women were already rowdy and like they already went against, you right, know. they were protesting. They were protesting, shit. you know what I mean? So like, in a way, they felt like they deserved it. And that's just horrible to think about. Also, they were mostly immigrants. And they were mostly, uh, yeah, mostly immigrants. Like, I think 90% of them were immigrants. Right, they didn't even speak English, so. So a week after the fire, New Yorkers packed an emergency, New Yorkers packed an emergency meeting at the Metropolitan Opera House mm. to call for action on fire safety. And just a few days later, an estimated 350,000 people joined in a massive funeral procession for the fire's victims. The factory owners, Isaac Harris and Max Blanc, were put on trial for manslaughter, but were found not guilty in, a tri- in the trial that December. That's crazy. Isn't that nuts? Isn't that nuts? Wild. Sorry, <laughs> I, just, I just had to back away from Buddy, like, just, like, almost, like, got up. It was just like, nah, man. <laughs> like, full-on, like, Monopoly anger. Just almost, like, flip the flip table. The table. <laughs> like, no, it is it's absolutely wild. crazy. Because this, and this is what it says. So, basically, what happened is after the judge gave the jury instructions that made it difficult to convict them, that's what happened, mm. was that, again, these systematic setups... Well, they already had it in place to somehow escape the blame because they had burned down two, two of their own buildings for the insurance money previous to this fire. So you know what's really interesting, too, is that that is something that I don't think has really been investigated. Yeah. Because the tragedy was so great that people were focusing on the aftermath of, you know, developing new policy. Right. But I don't think people were, people still not investigated them. And their history. You have a history of burning down two buildings These already? These are sketchy dudes. These are some sketchy dudes. Yeah. Like fucking full on Elizabeth Theranos. Like, yes, yes. Like, or Elizabeth Holmes. Like, you burn down two buildings already and then you still open up another factory and still make bad money? Mm-mm. That's some crazy shit. Y'all want to talk about privilege. Seriously. <laughs> that is the privilege. Yeah. You know? And then, so you've already had a history of burning down two buildings. You have the women in your factory that a year later had rallied against you and, may, and tried to get reformed and tried to unionize. Mm-hmm. Something is fishy, in my opinion. <laughs> yes. Something is fishy. Truly. You know? And like, could this be a mass murder? hundred percent. You know what I mean? Um, like, so it's just like, and then also too, it doesn't surprise me that the judge gave the jury instructions that made it difficult to convict them because when the protests were happening from his factory workers a year before, he had all, they had, both of them had already um, hired and had already colluded with police and law enforcement to suppress the women violently. Of course. So judge in the pocket. Right. Come obviously, on. Obviously. Come on. So a, a journalist, uh, David Van Truel, <laughs> you know, because... Oh, lovely. Nicely well, said. Well, this is before people started hating Germans. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, he's got good, three good years before this shit pops off. Um, was the author of a book on the fire. Um, um, and um, there are notes from a 2018 essay um, that actually... Um, had paired some of this information already to the fire. So there was, so clearly, I was going to say, like, no one really investigated. There was an essay that kind of did start thinking about making these connections between the two men and the two fires that they've had before and this fire. Mm -hmm. 
is there possibly something going on? Um, so basically, you know, to settle the lawsuits, because they also still had lawsuits happening. Like, they didn't, they were not convicted of murder, but they still had to deal with a lot of lawsuits from different families, everything. Right. Yeah, I think even the insurance company, I think, even tried to sue them again this time, because they're just yeah. like, look, bitch, like. <laughs> like, we're on to you. We're on to you. Yeah. Okay. And by the way, we paid for that fucking factory with the last time. Right, like, right. <laughs> So to sell the lawsuits against them, they eventually paid $75 in compensation to each victim's family, oh, a wow. fraction of the $400 per death that they were paid by their insurer, according to the U.S. Department of Labor. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So the money that they were supposed to pay to the families from their insurance, which is $400 each, which what? $400 at that time for a those immigrant families, money. that is a lot of motherfucking money. Like a game-changing amount that of money. That is a game-changer. That actually would... Mm. That's... St- Mm. By the way, these sounds that you guys are hearing are us so angry that uh, we don't even know what to do with ourselves. Well, I'm holding my fists up right now and just shaking them. Like, my eyeballs are gigantic. Our eyeballs are huge, <laughs> and they are not from mushrooms. Uh, <laughs> that's a day. That's a day. But yeah, pay them $75 out of the 400 that he was supposed to pay for each death. That's wild. So while the factory conditions were hazardous inside, some of, some of the blame also fell on New York City's government, um, which hadn't done really much to ensure safe workspaces at all. Because this is not, also not the first time factories have caught on fire. This is just the first time it's been this bad and honestly this public. Right. Um, there was – because also, too, like this was an area that's actually, you know, at this time a, be- a nice place to work. You know, it's a good – it's a – it's a hot spot of a working space, you know? Mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. like, I don't know, fucking working down at, like, city center or some shit. You know what I mean? Like, right. that whole area has been redone. It's beautiful. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of commerce going on down there. You know, it's not like they're working down in, like, dreary old Five Points, you know, down in, like, the Alphabet City and, like, you know, the Chinatown back in the day. Like, right. you know. Um, so... With that, um, they people people are looking at the New York City government, saying that they didn't really do much to um, ensure safe workplaces, or they weren't prepared for such a fire, which we just already said before. Um, in one quote, it says there was no clear city agency responsibility, no clear city agency responsibility to ensure the safety of workers and factories, said by a man named Greenwald. He also said, no one was responsible for building safety. There were no clear regulations for fire safety and no modern fire equipment. So, yes. Wild. So, with the public outrage growing, New York state legislators enacted a law creating the Factory Investigating Commission, a watchdog agency with sweeping powers to probe labor conditions throughout the state. Mm -hmm. So for over the next two years, they would investigate thousands of workplaces, not just garment factories, but meatpacking and chemical plants as well. Right. This is known as the FIC. FIC was led by Tammy Hall, by the Tammany Tammany Hall machine leaders. Um, So... And so with these reforms, they suggested um, they find their way into the law. There were over 20 laws passed which changed fire safety, building safety, and charged the state with worker safety. Right. This is – I'm getting chills just thinking about this. It makes – it's so sad that we have to – this has to happen. That it took such a tragedy to wake people up about it. And it happens all the time. Of course. It happens all the time. I mean like Hurricane Katrina. Right. It took a huge tragedy for people to understand that there is a huge systematic injustice happening. 
right, for, mean, for on a racial level, on a socioeconomic level. I mean, don't even get me started on that, though, because there are still people in the Ninth Ward that have never received any help at all. No. They're still without power. power. Like, no. It's like that. Yeah. And current injury happened when I was in college. Right. And I graduated in 07. It's been a minute. It's been a minute. Um, Puerto Rico. Same thing. Oh, my God. That's a U.S. territory. We, and Again, pe- still another place where yeah. people are still living without power, power or clean water. Yeah. It is disgusting. It is disgusting. And, it always, and it's sad how it takes a tragedy to change things. Um, they do change things. Things do, when people change, they do change things. And so thinking about this now, this, this, this uh, government agency, this New York State government agency, um, developing policies and... Um, checks and balances mm-hmm. for this. It's interesting to see how the garment industry then grows from it. Because I think this kind of thing really like affected the garment industry so much that it became a powerhouse industry, especially by like the 1950s. Yeah. It really became a powerhouse industry. I also think it's really interesting too, like I think about the garment industry in the 50s and how many Jewish factory owners there were. Mm-hmm. And... Almost how like, I almost want to say they took back, they took that agency back and said, you know what, we're gonna own our shit instead of watching you abuse our women. Yeah, we're gonna own our shit. Yes, and we're gonna take this over. Mm-hmm. And and so you do see this like very heavy industry being very impactful on fashion. I mean, like it held down American fashion for like a good almost like fifty years. Right. When it comes to the New York City garment industry. Um, the fire um, also helped unite and organize labor and reform-minded politicians um, like Fick um, and, the New York's, and the New York governor, Alfred E. Smith, and Senator Robert F. Wagner, one of the legislative architects for FDR's New Deal agenda. Francis Perkins, who served on the committee that helped set up the Factory Investigating Commission in New York in the wake of the fire, would later become Roosevelt's Secretary of Labor. The workers' union set up, on, set up, a, set up um, a march on April 5th on New York's Fifth Avenue to protest the conditions that had led to the fire. It was attended by 80,000 people. That's crazy. Still, from which the massacre... Okay, so still the massacre from which they're responsible um, for the two men that they're responsible for um, did finally compel the city to enact. It's amazing how these men still remained out, uh, out of, like, really, like, prosecution and pretty much, like, went on with their lives. Yeah, they basically just didn't get into The factory owners. Um, I would say, like, you know, from here we see things change. It's interesting, too, because, like, you think about, like, exit signs... This is one of the reasons why they're exit signs. <laughs> right. I'm actually looking at two exit signs right now yeah. in like bold red from yeah. the window. Yeah. There's exit signs on things. Um, these are the reasons why you have fire extinguishers in every room. Mm-hmm. And, and you actually have to go and have them serviced. This is why the fire extinguishers go, are serviced at certain times, you know, every year, maybe twice a year, whatever. Yep. Um, to make sure they still work. Mm-hmm. There's a smoke de- detector right over our head. Smoke detectors. And, you know, it's things like this fire. There's also another fire that happened that's not a fashion history um, situation, but it's also one of the most sad, gruesome fires, in my opinion, 
um, ever in America, but it's the Coconut Grove fire oh. in Florida. Oh my god! Back in the fucking like 30s, I think it was or 40s. Oh damn! And the Coconut Grove fire—that's some crazy shit. Okay, let me just tell y'all about this real quick. <laughs> Coconut Grove uh, was this, like, really fabulous club in Florida. And going to Florida back in the day, like, in the 30s and the 40s and stuff like that was, like, really fun to do. Like, oh, Yeah, that's when Tennessee Williams was yeah. in his heyday. And, and it was like... also, like, going to, like, a tropical, like, Caribbean because yes. it was just so wild. And so, like, people going down, it was just really fabulous. It's like Saint-Tropez. Um, Coconut Grove was, like, the hot spot to go to. Everybody went there. But the place was, like, made to look like an actual, like, beach paradise inside. Right. So they had, um, you know, like paper mache. Right. <laughs> Again with the fucking paper mache. <laughs> Come on, guys. It's flammable. It's flammable. So again with the paper mache, they had paper mache, like palm trees and like all this crap all over the walls and like, you know, fake, like, you know, tiki grass, like ceilings and things like that. Ugh. And... I forgot how the fire started. I think it was like, I think it was a cigarette again. As a person who loves smoking, like, I think it was a cigarette again or something like that. But I forgot how the fire, I have to look it up. And I'll say it in the next show on uh, during the Closet Clean. Smoking indoors. But like, the, this, the fire sparked and this place went up in flames fully in 10 minutes. Oh my God. Like in 10, I'm not saying just like one small room. All two floors of the bitch and the back and the backstage. There were two exits. One rotating door. Oh, no. For the front door. Oh, no. And a back exit that went through two other small alley buildings that went into another restaurant behind them. Yes. So... When this fire went up, so the thing went up in flames in like 10 minutes. People are running for their lives. Then people try to run for the front door that has a revolving door and it gets stuck because what happens if a bunch of bitches try to run through the revolving door? Yeah. To this day, that is the reason why if you ever go to a building, because that fire killed so many people, if you ever go to a building and you go to a building with a revolving door and you see two regular opening doors on either side, that is the reason. Yes. That fire specifically changed the law in this entire country so that you have to get out somehow. Dude, rotating doors have always given me like... It gives me... Yeah, girl. Like low-key anxiety. It gives me low-key anxiety. It totally does. Like I have I to like have, wait for a minute, watch it rotate a few times and then like hold my breath. Yeah, and, like, like I don't, even, in, like, I, I I don't even fuck with it anymore. I don't no, even fuck with it anymore. After watching that fire, girl, I don't even fuck uh, with no, it at all. No. But like things like, again, learn your history because then you realize why things are the way they are, why we have these safety mechanisms, (laughs) why we have a fire department that responds to a certain localized area that they are stationed in. Why no matter, like, for instance, I'm in Fire Island, like beautiful gay paradise in New York. There are no roads in Fire Island. I know. No roads. It's It's just sand and a boardwalk. But you know, the one fucking thing they got in Fire Island, and you will see it very blatantly, it's the only vehicle in Fire Island, the fucking fire department yep i just say a lot of fucks but but it's the fire department you know it's for these reasons it's these kinds of sad horrible situations that we finally that we get to a point where we need to make reform and change yep but we really shouldn't have to get there truly we really shouldn't have to get there we're gonna stop here this has been very real for me i don't know about you monday (laughs) i'm just wide-eyed like i know i'm hot i'm real hot right now Ah. i'm so hot but this has been fabulous i'm so glad we're back yeah, 2020 is about to be lit. Well, speaking of the 20s, yeah. Um, this ends our discussion on um, the factory fire and um, labor reform in the fashion industry, in the textile industry, um, 
for the early 1900s. But next week, we're going to start on... The 20s. The 20s. Yes, the roaring 20s. Yes. I'm really, really excited about this. We're going to be doing a bunch of episodes on the 1920s in different aspects, from the flappers to the radium girls. Yes. Um, to, to all those crazy-ass cross-dressers. Crazy-ass cross-dressers, Max Factor makeup. Yes. Um, so much everything we are going to cover and josephine baker the first motherfucking beyonce of the world yes with her banana skirt with her i need to stop with the f-bombs today (laughs) i'm just like i don't know where they're coming from we've been off the air too long we've been off the i don't know how to act oh my god oh my god there's our friend farah definitely want to give her a shout out her um amazing show of punk for uh, live punk photography is Ooh. at the Transformer Gallery opening this weekend. That's why I saw it's going to be okay. wild. So it's going to anyway, be wild. Yes. That. Well, everyone, it has been fabulous. Thank you so much for joining us on the Beauty Archeo, your fashion history comedy podcast. That man is real gorgeous. Wow, yeah. And we will be back. I'm your host, <laughs> Professor Noir, with Mix Money. Mix Money. We'll be back next week. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this program on Full Service Radio, broadcasting and recording from the Line Hotel in Adams Morgan, Washington, D.C. Full Service Radio programming can be accessed live and archived on fullserviceradio.org. Our talk programming is available on most podcast apps like iTunes and Stitcher, and our DJ sets are available on mixcloud.com slash fullserviceradio. Full Service Radio features over 30 weekly shows and over 50 local hosts covering every topic imaginable. If you want to be a guest or get involved, email us at info at fullserviceradio.org. Follow us on Twitter at FullServiceRDO, on Instagram and Facebook at Full Service Radio. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.